Welcome to the Leadership in Yoga podcast hosted by me, Shauna Kruger. And on this podcast, I'll be bringing you interviews with exceptional leaders in the yoga world alongside trainings and tips so you can experience true breakthroughs and help others do the same. Hey, Leadership in Yoga. (laughs) Welcome back to episode 18. I'm just having my first sips of coffee for the day as I speak to you. So hope it doesn't get too wild. That's probably one of my strangest intros so far. But anyways, you know, I want to make a habit before we get into what we're going to be talking today, which is self-leadership for body and business and specifically how I practice self-leadership. I want to get into the habit of telling you how and when and the circumstance of how the ideas for each episode come up about, because I really think at the end of the day, my goal is for you to number one become your own best teacher but number two also see yourself as a creator and i think that sharing my creative process with you is going to be helpful because i want to start by saying i never considered myself a creator like i didn't consider myself a creative like i didn't make art (laughs) you know and now obviously i understand that being an artist is a way of living in the world it's an awareness And it's much more than just the physical creation of something like a painting. However, um, I never really considered myself very creative. So this morning, as in, you know, just a little bit ago, about an hour ago, I just got done teaching Mysore and it's a yoga class in the morning. So my brain was working and I came home and I started preparing a breakfast burrito and I prepared the burrito. And in the moment that I took the first bite of this giant burrito, all of the ideas came rushing into my head. I'm not kidding you. Like I had to put down the burrito and I was like, okay, I have to write this down because if you don't write your ideas down in the moment, they're gone. You think that they're the best idea ever and you're going to remember, but you never do. It's, it's very strange. So thinking about why this happened, because a lot of times I'll get ideas in the most unideal time like I'll get it right as I'm about to fall asleep or when I'm in the shower or like if I'm driving or I'm out of the house on a walk and so when I'm thinking about and just breaking down and trying to obviously apply logic to a process that you can't really apply logic to but I think you can notice patterns and so I'm thinking about it and I do realize okay After my brain was working, I came home and I started cutting vegetables, you know, and I was allowing myself to relax. I was allowing myself to focus on my senses, you know, the sound, the smell, and I put myself in in some sort of a flow state. And from flow state comes a creative state. That is one thing that I think we can all agree on. I think there's a thousand or millions of different ways to get yourself into a flow state and it's not always guaranteed you know cooking does not always put me in a flow state sometimes it puts me in a bad mood maybe that's just me <laughs> i try not to be in a bad mood when i'm cooking but sometimes it happens but this morning you know as i go and i take the first bite and i taste all the flavors it's ironic to me that in that moment is when all these ideas start unfolding so maybe it was there you know just the stimulation of the final sense of taste. So all I'm trying to say with this kind of rambling intro is that increase your awareness and you will become more creative. Allow space 
in time to do nothing, you notice like I wasn't stuffing my mind with more information while I was cooking. I was allowing it to be. And from that being in that space comes your creativity. So anyways, on this podcast, while we have been meeting here for almost 20 weeks, <laughs> what were you doing 20 weeks ago? If you started back in the beginning, maybe you're just picking up the episodes and that's fine as well. But you know, how are you doing now? You know, what are you doing? And maybe when you're reflecting on that, it might be time for a little bit more action. And if that's the case, you're in luck because a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is 100% action oriented. We're going to go through body and business. And I'm going to start with body. And these are very broad categories. When I say body, I don't mean like getting your best beach body. I mean like taking care of your vessel, your human vessel, your mind, your physical body, your state of being, and all of that. And when we talk about business, you don't need to own your own business for what I'm about to talk about. This is just you as, um, well, you are always a business. Even when you are selling your time to your employer, you should always think of yourself as a business because ultimately you, you are. Okay. So starting with self-leadership and what even is self-leadership? I've said it before, but as a reminder, self-leadership is our ability to influence ourselves, our ability to influence our own actions, because leadership, in short, it's not a position, it's not a title, it can be, but leadership is the ability to influence. Leadership is a skill of influence. And so what we're going to be looking at today is how to increase your ability and your skill at influencing your own actions in both the realm of body and business. So for body, I'm going to start out by just telling you how I train, what my history has been with training, everything from gym and yoga to meditation. And then from there, I'm going to share two of my main principles with you, which are be addicted to taking action and now that i say the word addicted i don't know that i love that it's a nice alliteration there addicted to action but essentially about taking action and the second principle is lowering barriers to entry this is one of my favorite favorite things that's helped immensely in the realm of being able to motivate myself and being able to take action so I have been in and out of the gym in an inconsistent way since, I don't know, since my dad first took me to the gym when I was probably, I want to say like 13 or 14, I was playing basketball, but I never was a consistent, like a super consistent gym goer. I never did gymnastics. I never did dance. I like to specify that because if you go and you know check out what I do on Instagram and you see press to handstand and all of this stuff, that was developed self-taught and through my yoga practice. And so I don't want it to feel like unreachable to anyone. That is my, my biggest mission when I, I think about the physical body and being able to lead yourself. It is possible to be self-taught. It's also wonderful to hire a coach. I recommend doing that. It will condense your time that it takes you. But as a full-time yoga instructor, uh, leadership and yoga coach, and being in this world, to give you an idea of what I do, I will practice yoga, the physical practice of yoga, five to six days per week. I do not ever 
do it seven days a week. Um, more likely than that would be for me to only practice four days a week. And then in addition to that, I go to the gym about, I would say, three days a week. Could be four, but it's not in the five to six range. And what I go to the gym for is to train my lower body with weights because that is the biggest element that I've found is missing from my yoga practice. I can stand on my hands all day and be working my body with an unusual amount of weight. But even in a single leg squat, I don't think that it's an unusual amount of weight that allows me to gain muscle. And so by way of reference, I'm definitely someone who's on the spectrum of it's harder for me to gain muscle. It's harder for me to gain muscle mass. In addition to that at the gym, I will do a lot of pulling exercise. So I'll do pull-ups. Even if you can't do a full pull-up, any sort of like a rowing machine or that sort of motion is really wonderful. And being able to hang from a bar and just hanging and decompressing your body because all day long on the yoga mat, we're push, 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 pushing. And so I like to mention this because I've um, gotten a lot of questions recently about whether or not yoga and the gym are compatible. Yes, absolutely. I would say my low back and my body in general feels better when I complement it with weight lifting. And so the main thing that you want to focus on is not overtraining and not putting the pressure on yourself to think that you need to be doing a leg day like three to four days per week. No, one to two. That's what I'll do. I will aim for two two lower body heavy weight days, two or one upper body pulling day. And so I will just try to balance this out where I'll practice yoga in the morning and then in the evening I'll go to the gym. And sometimes it's a really quick trip, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, you can squeeze a lot in. In terms of my meditation practice, I aim, aim is the key word, (laughs) To practice 11 minutes of unguided, so self-guided meditation that I do on my own in the morning. And in addition to that, I will do a... I love Wim Hof. (laughs) Wim Hof, if you're ever listening to my podcast, I absolutely adore you. You have changed my life. But I will do a Wim Hof breathing exercise sometime in the afternoon when I'm feeling like I need a little bit of an extra energy boost. Um, so yeah, so that's where I'm at and that's where I'm coming from with my physical practice. And so it sounds like a lot, or maybe it doesn't because maybe you're (laughs) doing even more than that. But for me, it was a lot to implement. And so I want to talk about how I did that because it's not very much fun. And, and I highly suggest against you living your life from a list. So I suggest against creating these like mandatory to-do list for yourself and how instead can we can we uh, essentially cultivate a pull energy instead of a push energy where you're feeling drawn to do these things and not pushed to do them so the principle number one being addicted to action and taking action there's a key mindset shift that you must incorporate in order to make this work so here's the difference Attitude number one is, oh my God, this is so annoying. Like, this is so hard. I just like, I'm so tired. I really, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, (laughs) that's attitude number one. Attitude number two is, 
oh my gosh, this is insane. Let's freaking do it. Like, bring it on. I'm going to make this happen. And so when you're able to move yourself out of the sluggish state of the first example and into the bring it on inspired state, you are going to be having a much better time in whatever you're trying to do. And you're going to remember that you're having a better time and you're going to be more likely to want to do it again. And so this is so clear to me when I learned this because I was a distance runner for many, many years. And I'm thinking of this one particular hill. We would always go there as a team when it was hill day. I think it was like, I went to Snohomish High School. It was somewhere like Phobes Hill area. I don't remember. I wish I remember the name of the street. But it's one of those hills where it like winds and turns the corner. So when you're at the bottom of it, it's steep and you can't even see the top, you know. In the days that I said, I even mentioned or admitted that I don't want to do this, or I was tired, or I was sore, or whatever, I was screwed. (laughs) I was screwed for those days because the whole thing was literally uphill, number one, but it was also mentally uphill. It was like I was just like pulling myself along, and it it was just bad, you know? And the days that I went amped up, I don't know, I listened to some music or I like had my snack at the right time or talked to some friends or was just in a good mood and able to approach the hill and just attack it on the offense. Those days I was totally fine. I didn't even mind running hill intervals, right? And so one of the biggest things that you can do is if you notice that you're in a low energy state, you can look to see how you can get one level higher. So one step better. If you're feeling super, super tired and uninspired or bored, what is one thing that would make you feel just a little bit better? So this isn't get up and dance and sing and pretend like you're happy. No, this is like watch a motivational video, put on a motivational song, reread some notes do something that you like (laughs) that's a big one it's so simple do what works for you do something that you enjoy and from there little bit by little bit keep asking yourself what would be just a little bit better so it's not about making a big leap to this like fake attitude of i love running up hills you know (laughs) that's not even what it's about the other thing that can help a lot too um And this is probably even more important, I would say, as a starting. I probably should have started with this one. But this is removing barriers to entry. It's thinking about all of the things that could make you feel stuck and removing those. Okay? So the thing with choices and not knowing exactly what you're going to do or how you're going to do it is that uses a lot of energy. And so I'm not suggesting that we should map out our entire day or be super super analytical about everything that we're doing but i do think it's really important to decide ahead of time when you know that you're going to do something in the morning like when you have morning brain and you're a little bit more lazy and you just don't feel like it you need to know beforehand what you're going to be doing committed you know say i am going tomorrow morning to practice yoga Yeah, 
like it's it's signed, it's sealed, it's not delivered yet, but it's just it's just there waiting for you. It's not an option. It's not a I'll see. I'll see if I'm going to go. I'll see if I feel if I feel like it, right? Cuz if the night before you feel like it, it's something that you want to do. It's something that you should do. Probably it's something that's calling you for whatever reason. So decide beforehand what you're going to do. Then you know that when you wake up in the morning, you're going to be cold and you're going to be sleepy and you're not going to want to dig around for clothes and it's going to be dark. Maybe you can't turn on the light because your partner is sleeping or maybe I'm just talking about myself. (laughs) But I need ahead of time to know that I can find clean, suitable clothing in which to go to do the practice, right? And so there's these little things that can hang us up that that are just speed bumps, And if you have too many speed bumps, you're just not going to get off the runway. So make it as easy for yourself as possible to get off the runway, especially the first couple of times. There's someone that I really like, their philosophy on business and life, and his name is Alex Hermosi. And I'm going to adopt a little bit of a couple ideas from him and give them more of a yoga lens And he has these really wonderful principles for how to stay stuck. So obviously we don't want to stay stuck, but when we think of them in the negative, the brain is able to kind of like wrap around them in a unique and different way. And so I'm going to give you a list of these different barriers or like these different ways to stay stuck. And I would encourage you if one of them resonates, maybe jot it down and solve it for yourself. Solve it ahead of time. How could you avoid this particular barrier? So number one, start your yoga practice tomorrow. Don't do it today. Like just just keep saying tomorrow, okay? And then it's tomorrow. Oh, I'll do it the next day. And that way you never actually have to go and do the thing. You know, you're just talking about it. And in addition to that, you're you're breaking the promise repeatedly to practice which lowers faith in yourself. (laughs) So starting your practice tomorrow, why not start today? Number two, read self-help books or books about yoga and meditation, changing your mind, and do nothing. Take no action. Just keep reading, keep consuming information, keep doing courses, keep waiting to be prepared there's a certain point right where we need to take the step and do something number three take advice from people who are unhappy or currently not practicing their yoga or i'd add friends and family who don't understand but they're very concerned and they're very concerned for your well-being take advice from those people about your yoga practice and about your fitness practice and about your routines that you're trying to set. That's not going to (laughs) work. That is not going to work. When you make a promise to do something in your yoga or your fitness or for your body, for your meditation, it's a pillar. It's a pillar and everything else has to fill in around it. You know, sure, I will be there at our meetup, but I'll be there after the gym. And what you'll notice too, I think this is an important note, is um, in relationships, we're not sacrificing relationships, right? If anything, you should never feel guilty about doing things for yourself and taking time for yourself 
because ultimately then you will be able to show up as the best version of yourself for the people who you care about most and that is the best gift that you could give them quality is better than quantity in time you know spent so you know you might think about okay i'm going to be the best person ever i'm going to be the easiest to talk to but i might be a little bit hard to get in contact with you know maybe i'm not going to be springing at every notifi- notification every text every message that arrives to my phone and feeling obligated to respond like i owe it to others and Apple Watch users, I'm talking to you, you know, how many times during the day are you hijacked, literally, because it's on your wrist, by a message from someone who inserts themselves into your day, and that person may be important, but what you're doing and what you're trying to do is equally as important, you need to conserve the energy. Alright, I think this is number four. Fail once, quit forever, go to one class, hate the teacher, hate the practice, say you're never going again, and it's worthless. (laughs) There are so many different ways to do fitness, to do yoga, to do meditation. You know, this counts as well. Yeah, I tried meditation. I did one guided meditation. It wasn't really for me. Uh, I don't think you actually experienced the practice, right? So sometimes we don't know what it is that we really want until we keep trying it. And this goes as well. If you feel like you failed personally, as in you couldn't follow along or the class was too good, don't let that be a reason to not come back. Okay, and the last one, I know these are pretty sarcastic, so thanks for hanging with me if this is a little bit of a rub, but sometimes I think we need that little bit of a a spark and a push to realize what we're doing. The last one is blame your circumstances and complain about things that you can't control. That is a tough one, right? Because we all have something. We all have something. There is never perfect condition. If you try to wait for when your life is in perfect order to take action or your finances are in perfect order or you have the perfect amount of time Number one, that's probably not going to arrive. Even if that does come and then you start your practice, your yoga, your fitness, your meditation, what's going to happen when conditions are no longer perfect so that you have less time, you have an economic issue, you have a personal life issue, what's going to happen to your practice? If you want your practice to be forever, it needs to be something that can withstand imperfect imperfect excuse me imperfect conditions that's absolutely key if you're avoiding the discomfort of starting that is in itself a problem you have to be willing to set sail on any sort of sea if you want to make it there day after day right so i think that about covers it for our body our physical vessel our physical practices thinking about the business then i want to start by just quickly explaining what i actually do for a living because i've been getting a lot of questions recently that are something to the effect of wow it looks like you're doing really cool things what exactly are you doing and so in short all of my work 
as the podcast name probably gives away, revolves around two things. It revolves around more yoga in leadership and better leadership in yoga. And so when I say more yoga and leadership, I'm referring to the fact that I work with one-on-one clients, leaders, business professionals um, in the realm of integrating yoga and meditation into their daily life. The effects of this on not only your personal life, but on your leadership style are immense because we're not just working like you go to a studio class and you do your asana, your physical practice. We're getting into the entire eight limbs. And so this really rose out of the necessity and the curiosity of folks wanting to experience the lifestyle, wanting to experience the benefits that they had heard about. And so I've done so much of the work in the corporate sphere, uh, doing guided meditations for large-scale corporations, that now what I'm actually really excited to be working on in pulling together our first introductory cohort is with other yoga instructors on everything that is off the mat. So all of the deeper work that we're able to do with folks, one-on-ones, corporate meditation sessions, consulting as a yoga teacher, and really bridging that gap of wellness in the workplace in the opposite direction. So that's what I'm up to, um, up to a lot of other things too, you know, teaching in studio and other things that I really enjoy, but that is kind of the meat and potatoes, if you will, of my business currently. So if you are thinking about what you can do in the realm of your business. And again, I want to specify this does not mean that you need to be an entrepreneur, right? Regardless, I think the biggest area for growth for all of us is to go from that area of being told to guiding yourself because you can do that within a role, right? Decide who you want to embody, what you want to embody, and put on that hat, And so if you are in the process of saying, I want to create a business or I want to extend to a different career path or I want to add something more, like there's something missing in what I'm doing, figure out what that is, get, you know, gather some ideas on it and allow yourself to wear the hat, you know, set aside a half hour each day and intentionally put on the hat. I did this when I was working in law firms. I would spend half of my lunch always, you know, half I would spend just kind of relaxing and chilling, but at least half of my lunch, I would put on the hat of yoga or wellness entrepreneur. I'd listen to a podcast. I would get myself in the state of this is what I'm doing. Like this is me, right? And that piece, that little seed that you plant will begin to grow. Absolutely. The other way that you can really think about this is adding more value. So if you are employed by an employer and you feel like you're being shorted, think about this. Are you actually adding value? Are you adding more value? Or are you floating around idling and asking for more because it's your time or because you feel like you are entitled to it, right? Do not waste time. (laughs) You can relax. Relax fully when you're relaxing and focus fully 
when it's time to focus, work fully when it's time to work, especially if you're off on your own, right? The, the key to so much of this is putting on the hat, putting yourself in the state of mind and asking, okay, how can I add more value? How can I add unique value? How can I add more value than anyone else? And when I talk about adding value, I think that this can be a creative kind of spontaneous practice, but it does take intention to get it kicked up and running. Something that I will never do, for example, or I I despise when I'm asked to do this, is writing a five-year plan. I'm interested in who I'm being and who I'm becoming. And yes, I set intentions and I dream, but I do not like, and I actually push back against this idea of a set path or an idea. You know, I've never really had one that's been super concrete. I've had big ideas. I've had moonshots. I've had things that or simple that have come true much quicker than five years. But I'll, I'll do things like a one-year commitment. And you know, a good example of this is actually what I'm doing right now. I'm about to come up on my one-year anniversary of being self-employed. And I said, I will do this for one year, even if I am struggling, even if I hate it, even if it's going terribly, I'm gonna do this for one year. I'm gonna give it a shot because if I don't do it now, when am I gonna do it? If not now, then when is the good question to ask. And so what I like to specify, though, is that you don't need to think that in your career, in your business, if you want to be someone who is forward thinking and moving forward, not just idling along, that does not mean you need to write a list of checked boxes and what month that you want to do the things by. And the reason why I suggest against this, and there's multiple philosophies, so maybe for you, you're saying, actually, I'm someone who really enjoys knowing. I enjoy being able to check the box. For me, I like to stay open because I think that if you have your mind too set on one specific thing, that's what you're pulling. It's not necessarily even what the universe is calling you to do. It's not what is unfolding. It's what you're pushing, right? And it gets back to this concept of push versus pull. If you are more open and aware, you're going to see so many opportunities. And you know, the first time that I ever started working one-on-one with anyone was because of a total coincidence. I was working at the farm where I worked for many summers in Snohomish and I overheard a group of people speaking Spanish. And so I walked over and started speaking Spanish with them too because I was, you know, learning at the time. And from there, it turns out they're an engineering firm and they were looking for someone who was bilingual and who could teach English. And so I got one of the most profitable jobs of my college career for very low hours from just that random conversation. You know who's actually really, really, really good at this is my husband, um, Simone. Thinking back to the jobs that he's had, he's had probably some of the coolest jobs and the most unique jobs, in even in places where it was like he couldn't find work as an immigrant. When he moved to Ecuador and he was looking for work as an engineer, and that was obviously his intention, however, he was open to whatever it took, right? At, at this point, it's survival. It's literally... Where am I going to work? What am I going to do? 
And one of the things that he ended up being able to do just through a random connection, through a random conversation. And I want to note too that he he really loves Germany. Like he has this obsession with German. He speaks a bit of German. And one of the jobs that he ended up getting was for an importer of German beer. And he was put to travel around the entire country of Ecuador trying other beers and taking notes on it so what a job (laughs) whenever i tell people this i'm like they're like where do i sign up i want to sign up for that job um from there to now in seattle he's again by a chance conversation that we had in another state he's now working in exactly what he wants to be working in in creating living buildings which are net zero or net positive so you can think like the ultimate environmental, environmentally friendly building. All of this comes from a state of thinking of yourself as a creator rather than a consumer. So you're not just something, you know, bumping along on a set path. You're actively choosing and making choices every single day. You're creating and carving your way through your experience, if you will. And this is a a major mindset shift. I think that if you're someone who's doing social media, for example, if you have a social media account, this can be a really cool, concrete way to play with this idea. Play with the mindset shift of becoming a creator more than a consumer, okay? There is no graduation ceremony. Let me tell you this right now. It's really a decision where you decide that you're ready to start providing. You're ready to start posting. You're ready to start adding value and putting yourself out there. And this is not to say that you're not going to consume information, right? You can be a lifelong learner and you should be, but you can also be a creator and you can also have a creator mindset. Basically, I'm telling you to express yourself, express yourself, share, share something with others, take a step. And so if I had to tie together this whole conversation that we've had from body to business, the main, main takeaway that I would give you, and I guess this would be more of a piece of advice, so take it or leave it if it works for you. But the key that I've found is ask yourself what you actually want, not what society wants, not what you should do, not what you feel obligated to do, what you actually want and do it. (laughs) Don't make and break promises. That's really the key. Don't make promises to yourself and break those promises because That is the quickest way to destroy your faith in yourself. And so if you're feeling like, well, I don't really trust myself already. Like I don't trust that when I say I'm going to do something that's going to happen. That's the whole problem. That's why I'm listening to this podcast, right? I understand. Your respect for yourself is the hardest to earn for for good reason. But the greatest thing about that is that you are completely in control of flipping that around. And yes, When you try to start rolling the boulder back in the opposite direction, it's going to be really hard to push at first, but it's going to get going. So what you can do if if you're in this state where you want to increase the faith you have in yourself is make a list of reasons 
why you do actually have faith in yourself, okay? Things that are going good. List of wins. You could think of it as a list of your wins. Even the tiniest or most coincidental wins that you can think of. I'm talking like, look for the basic stuff. Look for the fact that you are completing a podcast. You know how many people click open a podcast and don't listen to any of it and fall off and forget about it? Okay, you're finishing the podcast. So there you go. There's your first win. And what you're going to do is keep seeking examples out. Even if you don't want to write them down, just focus on them. Look for them. And the more and more that you focus on them, the more that you're going to see. And this in turn will build trust in yourself. When you start to build trust in yourself, your actions start to change. And if you trust yourself and you trust yourself as a leader, you're going to be able to influence yourself more. You will essentially be able to lead yourself more. You're going to be able to take new directions. You're going to quit old habits You're going to do what you actually want to do with your human experience, your precious human experience. So go forth human (laughs) and do great. I believe in you. Um, I'm also always here to chat if you want to hit me up in the DMs on Instagram at Shauna Crew. Send me your list of wins if you want to so we can celebrate together. And yeah, all of the love and all the power to you. Until next time, ciao, ciao.